You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 25, a.k.a. Carson Coolman of Keeping Up With The Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And once again, just like always, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. How are you doing today, buddy? Oh, I'm not doing too bad, man. How are you doing? How was your weekend? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, It was pretty good. Uh, you know, it started off with, you know, some good hockey, watching some hockey that led to playing some hockey Saturday night. And uh, yeah, ended up coming home with a couple uh, co-workers and yeah, things got a little out of hand with the drinking and uh, it was a wing night and let's just say... Uh, half a Sunday was spent just in my bed, trying not to throw up. It was, uh, it got pretty aggressive. Not going to lie. Can't drink like you used to, eh? Gets us all. No, no, I can't, man. It's, it's crazy. And, and I'm not going to lie. Uh, that might be the very last time in my life I'm ever going to drink gin. Not a fan, never have been. But then, uh, when you get forced into doing a couple shots, when you're already kind of drunk, you're like, why not get after it? Right. But, um, not going to lie. That might be the last time I'm touching that shit. I, uh, did not feel great the next morning for a, for a while. It sucked big time, dude, man. I don't know if I've ever had gin. I've never been a big adventurous drinker. If I would have it, it would definitely be just like you said, like I'm already just pissed drunk and someone's like, here, fucking drink this. Okay. Yeah. Like I've had tonic before, like tonic water, um accidentally actually i think i was like a teenager <laughs> i was buying trying to buy club soda for my mom and uh i just read tonic water on it i had no idea what it was and i just thought oh this this must be club soda so <laughs> i buy that bring it home try it oh my god it's the worst i don't get how people drink gin and tonic that is just uh gotta be one of the worst combinations out there but you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat, I guess. Anyways, how was your weekend, brother? Oh, it wasn't too bad. You know, spent a little bit of it at the rink. Didn't do too much. Just got a little bit of pickup in last night. Nice to get out there a little bit again. 
getting ready. Another tournament this weekend. Going to skate in that. Good, good, good stuff there. How's the ankle holding up? I know it's been uh, bruised up and, and beaten up. And yeah, how's that holding up? That's uh, all right. It's just a little bruised today still. But uh, I was able to skate last night for about two hours. So I got to figure I should hold up all right for three or four games through the weekend. Ah, there you go. There you go. And hey, some more exciting news, Durham, because uh, we got some plans to go hit the slopes about a week from today. Now, hey, you're flying out west here. You're going to join me. We're going to go to Lake Louise and uh, hit up the slopes there and spend a couple nights in Banff. So, uh, dude, I'm freaking pumped for that, man. That's going to be such a riot. Man, I'm so excited. I can't wait. Missed it the first I time I went out like five years ago. Got to hit it up now. Yeah, have to hit it up now, and let's just hold out. Hope that weather holds up a bit for us, and uh, conditions are pretty good. But I'm not too worried. It looks like a lot of snow still coming this next week, and uh, that'll be good. Get some fresh pow, you know. Get the gnar out, hit the shreds. So pretty excited for that, man. But uh, we also have some other huge news: uh, the Seattle Kraken, you know, making a huge signing here, Jared McCann. Uh, gets extended or signed to a five-year, $25 million deal with Seattle. And he's officially becoming the first player in franchise history to re-sign with this team. How huge is that, man? Oh, I think it's huge. I mean, just like Ron Francis said, it shows how much they treat their players great in this organization. The city treats them well. I think McCann said that as well. He really enjoys it in the town here. I think it's big for this organization get the first one out of the way and have it be a guy who's a big piece of this team already. Oh, yeah. And when you look at the actual deal that's signed, you know, five years, you know, $5 million per year is the average. And I think, uh, you know, just a few podcasts ago, we said probably looking at five years in the $5.5 million range. So um, we were pretty close to that. And, uh, you know, it, it makes sense around that range, you know, with what he's done. But this could turn out to be like quite the steal. You know, if Jared McCann continues growing and and uh, going in the right direction. Uh, I mean, his numbers are great. Obviously, he's the leading scorer of Seattle and really, you know, put the team on his back while some other veterans, you know, haven't necessarily done that themselves. So uh, they're getting a lot of value out of this contract, I think. eh? Yeah, I agree too. You know, he's definitely been their power play guy. I think it's going to be interesting to see how everything comes together next year once we get Beniers into the fold at the end of the season and he gets a little bit of a taste and chemistry going. Maybe get skating with the guys in the summer. That's going to be a fun one to watch develop next year. Oh, man. Just thinking of uh, Matty Beniers, uh, you know, playing down the middle. I And I'd be okay with McCann playing on the wing beside him. You got a great setup guy and Matty Beneers, nice young guy like that. And obviously he's going to be with the franchise for a while. So why not uh, connect those two guys? McCann signs a nice five-year deal here. Uh, you know, he sounds pretty comfortable being here and everything. He wants to be here. He wants to be part of the success going forward. So why not have those two guys develop some chemistry? And maybe we'll see that right near the end of this season, eh? Beneers centering McCann and Everly. Yeah, that would be a filthy top line. I, I'd love that, man. That would be exciting. I'd, I'd be pumped to see that happen. And it could possibly happen, you know, at the end of this season. But, you know, it is it is really positive hearing some of the quotes coming out of McCann. You know, like you said, he believes in the city. He believes in the organization. He loves being in Seattle. And he also mentioned a couple things about, 
you know, being able to settle down now and buy his first home, which is something he's never done before throughout his career. He's always been a renter, you know, wherever he is. So I think he's very excited about just, you know, kind of easing his mind like that and knowing, hey, I finally have the opportunity to go house shopping in Seattle and, you know, just settle down in his career a bit more and grow with this franchise. And I think, you know, he's such a great piece to do it with. And you look at some of his underlying numbers this season too. He's at the top of the list in a lot of categories. So uh, this is a a first line finisher on the scoring front. And, you know, he might not bring a lot to the transitional side of the game, but what he brings into the, you know, the offense is, is well worth it for the, the deal that they signed him to. So I'm very excited about this deal. Yeah, it should be great for the team moving forward. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was important to talk about right away off the bat, but uh, the Kraken just got done in Eastern Canadian road trip. So why don't we hop right into those games, Durham, and uh, just review some of those because uh, they went one, one and one on the trip and uh, we've seen some good hockey and, you know, some not so good hockey at some times as well. Yeah, there was definitely a bit of both played over the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kicked things off uh, with a trip uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs there. So they played against the Leafs, and this was the first time they played there, Durham, since 1920. So just a few years ago, eh? Yeah, that wasn't that far back, eh? No, no, just a few years. I think and it was yesterday. Funny, <laughs> funny enough, man, it wasn't even against Toronto. So uh, uh, they actually ended up playing against Ottawa, uh, the game was moved to Toronto due to poor ice conditions in the nation's capital. So <laughs> talk about different times, eh? Yeah, you definitely wouldn't have that now. No, no, not at all. But uh, th- that's just pretty awesome to see. And I believe that was uh, actually for the cup, that that game that was played there too. So uh, pretty cool. That was obviously back when they were the Metropolitans. And they had some pretty sick jerseys too, or sweaters, you should say, uh, back in those days. And not only that, but uh, it was big uh, McCann's big return to Toronto after being uh, picked up off uh, off them in the expansion draft. So, uh, and coming off that fresh contract too, uh, are we just going to call him Money Man going forward? Well, I mean, it was the third biggest contract Francis has handed out. So, ooh, touche. I like it. I like it because McCann's Money Man now. So. Um, yeah, not the best start in the game for Seattle. Uh, you know, obviously Toronto's a very tough opponent, uh, especially when you're playing, you know, in their own barn. Uh, they can come out pretty powerful to start games off. But uh, yeah, they're taking early penalties and they'd surrender a power play goal to the league's most lethal goal scorer this year. No doubt about that. And that's Austin Matthews. Yeah, he was kind of just having his way with the Leafs all night, unfortunately. But uh I mean, not like you said, with the Kraken, you mean, right? Right. Having his way right. with the Kraken, yeah. <laughs> he could have had his way with the Leafs, too. He did whatever he wanted that night. Yeah, no, he, he is uh, just such an exceptional player. And, you know, I, I understand completely why he's in that heart conversation right now. Yeah, I mean, he is good on both sides of the puck. A lot of people don't see those little strips that he makes, kind of like McDavid, too, when he first came in, just on the back check, just strip the guy and come back. But Matthews is strong on his stick. and He's good both ways. He is. He is a, a really good, turning into a, such a good two-way player. Um, so, yeah, he made it one nothing early there on that power play goal. Nice shot, too. 
but the Kraken answering a goal of their own just two minutes later. Dr. Seuss ripping a point shot that gets blocked, uh, but he skates in and is able to find his own rebound and then just wires it top shelf. That gives him seven goals on the year, which would tie Dunn at the time for the team leading goals from uh, the Kraken's back end there. So that was a pretty, that was a laser, wasn't it? Oh, he just picked that coming in, just popping the rebound right in the small hole beside his face there. That was a hell of a shot. shot. Oh, it was shot right out of the net like that too. Uh, that was a beauty. And I know we've pumped his tires a lot on this podcast. Uh, Dr. Seuss, seven goals on the year. So, um, you know, I love this guy on the back end. Um, but it didn't take too, too long after uh, after that for Toronto to regain their lead in the hockey game. Uh, Tavares gets sprung for a breakaway there and pretty much dangles Grubauer. Um how about that pass by uh, by TJ Brody, though? That was pretty nice. Oh, that was disgusting. Just gets it up, drops it down right on Engvall's tape there. That was beauty. Yeah, um, that's what you call a saucer pass. And yeah, that's a hard one to defend like that. Um, he's pretty much putting that three quarters up of the ice, you know, complete perfect saucer pass just to find angle there. And then he slips it over to uh, Tavares who's breaking down the middle of the ice. That's a tough one to defend, but you know what? After that, the game did kind of settle in for the crack and they, they started to look more comfortable as that first period went on. So, uh, you know, they kind of settled in even though they were uh, down to one in that game. Yeah. I mean, shots were uh, tied 11 apiece, and only being down one goal to the Leafs is kind of like a small victory. I thought they definitely, like you said, as the game wore on, got better. Yeah, I I definitely uh, agree with that. And more penalty troubles for the, for the Kraken in the second period, uh, kind of had them killing off a, a, a tripping call on Lazan there, but they did it successfully, which credit to them. And then Giordano taking a delay a game penalty too. And, uh, the Leafs would score their second power play goal of the game from a sharp angle snipe from Nylander. That was pretty nice too. Yeah, I mean, he picked that, keeping it low in five hole, but at the same time, that you, that can't fucking go in. I'm sorry. Shot from yeah. the half wall there on the ice. No, no, I agree with that. And you just can't be giving the Leafs that many look on, uh, looks on the power play that early into the game either. So uh, something they got to clean up. Penalties have been a big problem in uh, Seattle's game as of, as of recently, hasn't they? Yeah, after we were pumping their tires, their PK was doing so well. They've allowed, I think it was like nine goals on the power play in their last four or five games. Yeah, it, it's been a rough stretch after we uh, pumped the tires. It seems to always happen when we... Uh, say something good about how they're doing and then it falls apart, but <laughs> that's just the way it was. But um, yeah, Seattle, they're about to roll over and die, or they weren't about to roll over and die uh, by letting the game get out of hand because Alex Wenberg would pot home his seventh of the season, finishing up a nice clean tic-tac-toe play with the assist going to Eberly and Johansson there. That was a pretty nice one. And uh, got to say the compete level was high in this game for the Kraken. Yeah, that was a really nice goal. Just tic-tac-toe, like you said, there to the back of the net. And that definitely got the boys just fucking buzzing. They were flying around out there. They were, because uh, we would see another penalty uh, from the Kraken. This time it was Captain Geo. Uh, he, he would leave the Kraken shorthanded again. And uh, this time it wasn't the Leafs scoring on it, baby. No, it was the hottest shorthanded duo in the league getting back to work. 
Oh, yeah. Yanni Gord and Colin Blackwell finding themselves on a nice two-on-one shorthanded after a pretty fortunate bounce that they get. Uh, Yanni slides it uh, over to Blackwell on his backhand, and he makes absolutely no mistake on that one, burying his sixth uh, the sixth shorthanded goal for the Kraken on the year already. And these duo, man, uh, unreal, eh? They've just been electric dynamite together. Yeah, they're just disgusting. I mean, they're just popping off. They know where each other are on the ice. They've got the speed to go together the same pace. It's nice to watch. Yeah, no, it, it's awesome. They've, they're clicking on a line and getting them out there together on the shorthanded has been very successful too. Uh, so you love to see it. That would tie the game right back up at 3-3 as well. So uh, the chances kept coming, Durham. Seattle, they finally got their first look on the power play and they came super close to leading uh, in the game when McCann rung a shot right off the post. Uh, unfortunately, that one stayed out though. Yeah, and then another penalty comes against Toronto for too many men, but somehow McCann's stick gets caught up in the feet of Justin Hall, which would then lead to an extended four-on-four. Yeah, and this time it was Grubauer's time to shine. Uh, He made a couple real gross saves there uh, to keep it tied after 40 minutes of play. And man, what a great second period it was from Seattle after, you know, battling back. After being down by two goals against the Leafs, you know, they killed off a couple more penalties there heading into the third period. Uh, You know, it was a very impressive period there from the Kraken. Yeah, I mean, as impressive as that that was as well, it was an almost perfect start to the third for Seattle too. They had Toronto hemmed in their zone for a solid two straight minutes and had two really dangerous chances on net. Yeah, they were looking really good coming out of that third period, and they continued pressing Toronto hard, and they were rewarded for it with a blast uh, from the point off of Lazan's stick. Uh, So that's good to see him getting pucks towards the net as well. Uh, It got slightly tipped from Schwartzy there, and that would give the first lead in the game to the Kraken, and three straight goals like that from the boys. Uh, Can you say buzzing? You can, but not for very long, because unfortunately the buzz was killed pretty quickly with another goal from Austin Matthews, followed by another power play goal from frickin' Mitch Marner. Yeah, and just like that, man, that Toronto offense, how many times have they done this where they just explode for quick goals back-to-back like that? Uh, just so much, so much offense in, in some of these guys, so... Uh, it's too bad because Seattle couldn't keep that seesaw battle going. Freaking stupid Matthews has to score an empty netter and, you know, complete, complete the six, four win for the Leafs. Um, but man, what an effort to try to come back and win this game for the crack. And it was an exciting one, man. Yeah. And a little spoiler alert, to be honest, I thought that was their best game of the week. It just happened to be against the Maple Leafs who also had a pretty damn good game too. Yeah, yeah, it, it, you pretty much have to just find ways to outscore their offense, and that could be pretty tricky. And uh, you know what? It comes down to uh, just taking too many penalties. They they gave up too many power play goals, even though they scored a shorty. Um, that pretty much put this game away for them by taking that many penalties. You just can't do it against the Toronto team like that with so much uh, offense up front. So um, 
not not bad. I mean, considering the last time they played, it was a 6-1 loss. Uh, they go into Toronto and they battle back, you know, being down by two goals, getting a lead in the third period. And then Toronto's got to do that Toronto thing, battle right back and score two quick ones. And that kind of was it for the Kraken in that game. Yeah, and then on to Ottawa they go. Yeah, and, uh, you know, another big game against the two best teams in the NHL, right? Yeah, and a rematch of the 1920-21 Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, yeah, because it was uh, those last time the the crack the crack and the Metropolitans uh, were in the Stanley Cup Finals was against Ottawa there in those years. So pretty cool. And then finally, though, Hackstall would get Flurry back in the lineup, a guy who uh, has been scratched quite a ton this year, and then Donato as well. Thank God they got him back in this game too. Uh, I just, I, once again, I don't understand why Ryan, why Donato is getting scratched. It just blows my mind. Uh, I don't like that at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't get it either. I mean, I do understand if you want to look at a couple of his goals and be like, oh, well, he's just gotten fortunate off some bounces. Like, okay, that is a valid argument for a couple of them. But at the same time, it's like, he's the only guy getting these fucking bounces. So why are you taking him out of the lineup? Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't understand it. Uh, we'd see Driggs back in the net too for this game. Uh, you know, getting the start against the team who drafted him almost a decade ago in the 2012 draft. Um, Ottawa chose him 76th overall as a third round pick. So, uh, you know, Driggs getting to play his former squad was pretty cool to see that. Yeah, and tons of support from Ottawa in regards to Ukraine in the crowd too. So that was also very neat to see. Yeah, yeah, very heavy, heavy Ukrainian uh support out there which was awesome to see i believe uh eugene malnick their owner is um you know i i don't know if he was born there but i know he's uh got heavy ukraine connections as well so um that's another big part of why you see all that support but yeah heading into this first period man in this game you know it was one of those starts for the kraken where uh, once again, we thought they took the lead because we would see Mason Appleton uh, getting on the board early off a pretty nice passing play between him and Gord and Blackwell. That line has been uh, clicking. But once again, Durham, the play is challenged for offside because Yanni Gord accidentally actually puts himself offside on the play and we would have no goal. Man, believe it or not, that's the seventh time so far this season a Kraken goal has been challenged by the other team and waved off. Feels like it's been double that amount, though. No, it actually has. Like, uh, I feel like we're saying it once a week where there's a waved off goal. Waved off goal, waved off goal. Another challenge here, another challenge there. Getting so unlucky with that. And uh, that's not the first time it's been uh, Mason Appleton, too who's uh, had his goal waved off. So man, just so many unlucky breaks for him. And then, you know, of course the Kraken are going to Kraken, uh, giving up a goal 19 seconds later for the next face off draw face off um, to Josh Norris there. After some very poor defensive coverage from Seattle, we've seen what both Alexiak and Larson kind of get caught puck watching there in the defensive zone. They all drift over to the right side of the ice kind of defending that uh, point shot from Kachuk there and Norris is just left wide open out front. Yeah. To be fair, that's totally McCann's guy though. Like peeling off of the wall there. He's got to stick with his man. He, 
and when he's got contact there in the battle and the puck transition sides, they both peel out the same way. But you see McCann just watches the puck the entire time and Norris just goes straight to the back post. And McCann doesn't shoulder check there at all for his guy. Leaves him uncovered and it's an empty backdoor tap in. Yeah, just a bit of a brain fart there on that play. McCann's just got to know that's his centerman and that's his guy. So uh, you can't always rely on that D to be covering the guys out front. So that's basically why that first goal went in there. Um, but uh, that was it for the scoring in the first period too. Kraken, they did have an 8-7 to seven shot lead, but it certainly didn't feel that way, did it? No, boy, were they sloppy in that first. I mean, they really struggled with their passing. They couldn't make one crispy one to the tape. It sucked. No, yeah, that's for damn sure. It was pretty sloppy. Uh, they just they just kind of, you know, they didn't look like they were feeling it right away in this game. And, you know, again, the second period wasn't looking too good. Just like a minute and a half into the second, the Kraken, they'd take a too-many-men penalty and... Because of their extremely aggressive play, though, they actually did a really good job of not letting Ottawa set up on that opportunity whatsoever. Um, Definitely a positive. You know, what is it? Eight power play goals in the last four games going into this one. So, um, yeah, just shortly after, a puck finds its way onto the big rig stick, and he fails majorly trying to clear that puck out of the D zone. Uh, Puts it right on the tape of an Ottawa defender, uh, he blasts it on net and Brady Kachuk is there in front of the net to find that rebound first and scores on a bit of a hopper. Yeah, I mean, 2 nothing Ottawa at that point. And you know what? It wasn't going to get any better. Larson, with one of the biggest whiffs of the year, allows Parker Kelly to just walk in alone on a B-way and snap a puck between the legs of Drieger. So now it's 3 nothing Ottawa. Yeah, he, he's got to realize that a guy's coming in uh, with speed against him. And, uh, you know, whether you're going to make a play on that puck, you still have to have some kind of momentum going back to defend. That was that was painful. That was I mean, that's just a horrible play there. So um, it almost felt like, you know, after seeing those really bad turnovers there and bad plays that led to uh, both those uh, goals for for Ottawa there to make it two and three, nothing kind of felt like the game was basically going to be over. And it was just halfway through the game at that point. Yeah. I'll be honest. I thought we were screwed at that point too. When it was three, nothing, I thought here's a blowout night. They did not look good. It was, yeah, it was ugly. It was. Um, but you know what? Like we said before on this podcast, man, all it takes is one goal to really swing momentum back into your direction. Right. And that's what we would finally see from the Kraken halfway through the third period. Eberly enters the send zone, drops it back to Dunn, who makes a nice little deception pass there to McCann, or Money Man as we're now referring to him. And he spins and fires one top shelf on net there and gets the Kraken on the board. Team leading 22nd. Yeah, another beautifully placed shot by Canner there. Uh, and like you said, I think the best part of that play was was Dunn's play there at the blue line because he made it look like he was just going to throw that on net, but uh, puts it right on the tape of McCann, who's uh, kind of skating towards him. And once he picks that up, he makes a nice turn spinning play and roofs it top shelf. Uh, there's a, there's a reason why this guy's leading the team in goals. It's because he's able to shoot and make plays like that. That was a beauty. And the Kraken weren't done there either. 34 seconds after that off a hard four check from Shahan and geeky, 
leads to another turnover from Ottawa. And Alexiak fires a point shot that's tipped from Donato for his 12th goal of the year. And now we're at a 3-2 game, baby. Yeah, man, just like that. And once again, it's a strong forechecking play from the crack in there. Uh, this time, you know, Gord, Blackwell, and Appleton, that line, like we said, man, they've been awesome. But they get down low and just work it and work those uh, Ottawa defenders Gord's able to pick up a puck right off the half board there, almost in the corner, uh, spin off the one defender, and then he finds Appleton. And just from like the sharpest angle, he just, you know, throws it on net and it's able to just slip. Somehow it just manages to squeeze through Forsberg there. Just like that, though. Tie game, dude. Tie game. And wow, that came out of nowhere. I was not expecting to see that. Yeah, I mean, it's another explosion of offense from Seattle, right? We're so accustomed to those. Three yep. goals in three minutes and 47 seconds. So that's going to help send it to overtime. Yeah, and th that is something we've kind of been seeing the last two weeks is these these weird explosion of goals from Seattle where they score three in three minutes and three and a half minutes. Like That's like the third or fourth time they've done that in the last two weeks. So, uh, you know, this team knows how to score in bunches. Their struggle is keeping it out of their net right now. But yeah, like you said, Send it to OT. Uh, you know, OT wasn't exactly how we wanted it to go. Giordano, you know, he hooks Tim Stutzla behind the Ottawa net. That's 200 feet away from your own net. You can't be taking a penalty like that. Ottawa ends up taking full advantage of their opportunity, and they win it off a one-timer shot from Josh Norris for, for his second of the game. And it's a 4-3 overtime loss for the Kraken. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to like what you've seen in the third period for about 10 minutes there from the boys, in my opinion, especially mm -hmm. with how shitty the first two periods were. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was a crusty, crusty start, but you got to like the battle to get back. I mean, they could have just, you know, roll over and died, you know, and, and not came out in the third period with any uh, resilience, but uh, they came out firing and, you know, they got rewarded for it by getting down low. A lot of the times just getting the puck down low and Ottawa's D really uh, created opportunities for them. And they showed that they can be a resilient bunch. So, you know what? It, it still ended with a loss, but it's always nice to see that they battled back and they still have fight like that, knowing that they're what, second last in the NHL, you know, you're not going in there and, and giving up and, and letting that game get away. They, they managed to get a point out of it and show that they still have some fight left and they have some pride in themselves. Yeah. You can't get accustomed to losing. That's how you get bad environments and end up like Edmonton. Yep, exactly. They got accustomed to losing that pretty much wanted to lose. Um, I really liked Gord's line in this game again. Man, I, I'm going to keep pumping their tires because between him, Blackwell, and Appleton, I don't want to see this line get broken up for the rest of the season. I just want to see them play it out. Yeah, that they've been gross. They have been. Like, they're clicking. Like, some of the best chemistry I think we've seen from any line all year long. We can't spoil a stat of the week or something <laughs> similar coming up. Yeah, But it might have something to do with that. Yeah, but you know what? To end the week off, they get this big, big Saturday night matchup on Hockey Night in Canada against the Montreal Canadiens, you know, the most storied franchise in the NHL. And uh, the Kraken absolutely took it to Montreal earlier in the year. 
getting a nice 5-1 W, and that was their first win they picked up uh, in their own barn this season too. Um, I think what Eberle started the game off, you know, like you know, half a minute into the game, sniping one top shelf. Uh, that was a pretty sweet win earlier in the year, eh? Yeah, it was definitely big for the boys to capitalize on a team who was not doing very well at the start of the year, too. No, and without and it will not um, be the same Montreal team. No, no, certainly not. And they would have uh, they they were without Wenberg in this game too. A couple of different guys up front. So him and Donskoy, they were both ruled out of the game with upper body injuries. And I know they put Donskoy Donskoy on the IR too, um, pretty much after the game. So expect him to be out for a little while. Wenberg's probably just day to day right now, but. They both kind of got injured in that last game against Ottawa. One thing we didn't mention, the Sens actually lead the the NHL in hits per game. So uh, it was a pretty physical game. Well, you got Brady Kachuk on the team, so that should be half of those right there. Yeah, and when it's the captain getting it done, you he leads by example. The rest of the guys got to you know be willing to throw the body around like he does. But yeah, jumping back into this one, uh, because of those scratches, we'd see Cole Lynn get getting called up, and you know uh, he's having a really good season in the AHL, and they would give him a pretty good shot right off the bat, jumping in on the second line with Schwartzy and Canner there. So that's a big opportunity for the kid. Yeah, and then also a bit of a homecoming game for our certified shift disturber, Yanni Gord, as well. You know, he was pretty amped up to be playing at the Bell Center. Oh, man, you have to be. Anytime you have that Quebecois heritage and you get to go play against them at the Bell Center, uh, you are extra fired up. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had family in the building for that game, too. Yeah, and then the German gentleman was back between the pipes for this one as well after, you know, another shaky performance from Driggs, unfortunately. Nine straight losses, though, for Gru heading into the matchup against Montreal. So does that get into your psyche a little bit? I mean, I, I've i never been a goaltender, but I got to think it has to, right? Like, I got to think you're pretty aware that you've lost nine straight. Um, but... Again, it hasn't been his fault either. He's put in a lot of great performances in those losses. Uh, it's just the team hasn't been able to get it done in front of him. But uh, yeah, when you look at that, it, it is a bit shocking to see nine straight losses for Gru. Yeah, we'll hopefully uh, get the dub here for him and just shake that off before it gets to double digits, right? Oh, yeah, 100% early on in the game. Vince Dunn takes a bit of a run at Byron and ends up being a little too late. So he went to the box for interference. And uh, we had a nice little successful PK to start off uh, the battle against Montreal and try to build on that. And Montreal did look dangerous, too. I mean, they even rang one off the pipe. Yeah, they did. And what is it? I think it was up to nine power play goals against in the last five or, or so. So uh, always good when you start the game off with a nice strong kill. And then Delato would go off. Yeah, what the fuck did I say? And then Donato. I think he said Delato or something. But Thinking uh, about gelato. Thinking about gelatos here? I don't know. Never had it. Apparently I want it. <laughs> <laughs> but Donato would go off for a slashing call. And I guess, you know, who gets it done again? Short-handed. Yeah, that would be Yanni Gord, baby. 
it's the shift disturber getting it done and a uh, very, very strong, aggressive for checking play uh, is kind of able to get a one handed swing out of puck there. And then, you know, it doesn't quite go in, of course, but he circles around the net as a Montreal player goes to pick it up in front of his own net. And dude, he hit the guy so hard that he ends up scoring on himself. What a sequence that was. How pissed are you if you're watching that from the Montreal bench? Just what the fuck? Yeah, like what are you doing there? <laughs> but yeah, that that is a that's one way to score a goal is is just hitting the guy and <laughs> having him put it into his own net. So that was pretty awesome to see. Not gonna lie. And then, man, on the same penalty kill, just seconds later, Mason Appleton scores on the exact same penalty. But it's Mason Appleton. So the goal gets waved off, right? Bit of rotten apple luck right there. I got to feel so bad for that guy. What's that? Eight waved off goals for Seattle now? He's got to be three, maybe four of them. Yeah, no, I think he at least three. Like you said, maybe four of those. Yeah, unlucky. But to, to be honest, that was offside by a mile. Like as soon as that went in, I was like, well, let's see the replay. Because I mean, I don't know, 10 or 20. 10 feet easily offside. It's kind of hard to tell for those linesmen when the puck's that far in the air. So, you you know, I kind of understand, but yeah, it looked offside by a mile. It was brutal. When you do see the replay, when you can have the puck elevated there, it looks bad. Yeah. I don't know how the the linesman doesn't catch that one. Maybe he just lost sight of the puck there, Um, but that would have been a hell of a start to the game to go up by two like that shorthanded on the same kill. Oof. Ooh. Yeah, no, unfortunately, though, the Canadians, they kind of kept that pressure up throughout the next five minutes of play. And Michael, is it Michael Pizzetta? Not even sure, man. That guy's barely been in the league. Anyway, Pizzetta gets one past Grubauer, and he ties the game up. Uh, just a handful of minutes left in that first period. So, unfortunately, yeah, yeah, they give up that goal and then be tied, you know, heading into the first intermission. Yeah. But looky here, Ryan Donato popping goal number 13 on the year to give the Kraken a lead before the end of the first, collecting a bounce off the backboards and burying it. Yeah, just as we thought it'd be tied up, fucking Donato scoring his 13th. Gets a bit of a lucky bounce, like we said, but he's taking advantage and actually scoring on those lucky bounces. And that's goals in back-to-back games for Donato after being healthy scratched. Like, Coach Hack... Stop scratching Donato. Sincerely, every Kraken fan. So stop making that happen. I'm sick of it. Although if he's going to score in back-to-back games every time he gets unscratched, we should scratch him the first game he doesn't score and then bring him back. Back scratcher. Okay. Okay. Back scratcher. He is literally tied for third. He's tied for third on the team in goals with 13 now. Maybe don't scratch the guy. Just going to, you know, if he scratches him again, I'm pretty sure uh, there's going to be an investigation against Coach Haxtell that that he's trying to lose the hockey game. Just going to throw that out there. He really wants a right-handed centerman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. Um, I thought the PK was the backbone of that period, though. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, anytime you can solidify it like that and hunker down something that's been kind of shitty the last five games, that's definitely a solid for the boys. 
Yep, and it had to stay strong because more penalty troubles to start the second period. Geeky gets called for a, for holding the stick, the Kraken, uh, kill off their third penalty of the game and finally get their own crack on the on the power play after a bit of a gutless trip from Ren Pip, Rem Pitlick there. But unfortunately, it would quickly turn into a four-on-four when Seattle's called for too many men. Yeah, man, what a penalty fest in this game again. That's they, they struggled all week with their penalties in this uh, Canadian road trip here. Um, but they end up killing it off. Uh, another very gutty effort from Seattle on the penalty kill in this hockey game. And not only that, but the power play stepped up and scored late in the second period too when Money Man just snipes a shot over the blocker of Montembeau, giving Seattle a 3-1 lead heading into the third period. Yeah, that was uh, just a... Gorgeous pass from Marcus Johansson there. A little spinning backhand pass from behind the net to find Canner there. And yeah, I couldn't believe. Well, I guess when you look at where Montreal's in the standing, I guess you can believe it. But how wide open was he left on that play? Like he had all the time and all the room in the world to let that shot go. So um, yeah, credit to Canner. You still got to score it. But yeah, he had um, every lane possible to get it done. Yeah, and then 3-1 lead hanging into the third against the worst team in the league. You should be good, right? Wrong-o. Terrible start for th- for the third period uh, for Seattle. <laughs> Giving up a goal just a minute into the third, man. Uh, Romanov going to blast one on net there from the point after uh, the puck took a, a few weird bounces to end up getting to him. I know Grubauer was just diving all over his crease there. It was kind of hard to you know, find himself in his net. He didn't have a whole lot of time to kind of recoup and, and angle that shot off, but it was a good shot by Romanov. Yeah. And then, you know, since Montreal had an own goal earlier in the game, I guess Larson kind of decided, Hey, what the hell? Here's one for you guys. Montreal tries to stop a pass. that's going back door to Romanov and fuck. He tipped it in past Grubauer. Oh, yikes. And uh, yeah, that's back-to-back games for Larson uh, with a couple absolutely brutal plays that led to goals against. Uh, He had that one against Ottawa there. And then this one, holy moly, dude. Boy, was that ugly. Yeah, that's tough, man. I mean, you're trying to make the right play and then something just as small as the way you've got your blade angled, right? Yep. Just something as small as that, and we're tied. Yeah, and I think that's kind of really what pissed off Grubauer because uh, he ended up getting to some heated exchanges with a couple Habs players at the end of the regulation there, eh? Yeah, they're probably like, ah, you're going to lose 10 in a row. And he's like, fuck you. Yeah, what was it? Lekkonen, he was punching in the face there. He came right out of his crease. He was not happy, man. He was fired up. I haven't seen Grubauer fired up like that all year. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, gets the boys going, hopefully. Yeah, and Something's then that, give, right? I think that play earlier, too, where the net fell on him a bit there, he he was pretty heated after that. But, uh, you know, he, he, he took it personal, let's just say that. And uh, the second straight game, Seattle went into overtime. And I got to be honest, it was kind of an ugly three-on-three, man. The best highlight of it was a huge glove save uh, off Ben Sherratt after another brutal turnover. This time it was uh, Yarncroc. He's the last guy back, and he tries to spin off Ben Sherratt there. He just throws him down, takes the puck, and you know 
tries to roof it on Grubauer, but he says, no way. Grubauer grabs the Baylor bucket again and uh, bails out his team big time on that play. Yeah, poor Yarncroft looked like he was learning to skate. There was Sherratt all over him, eh? His legs were just <laughs> wobbling around before he got tossed. Yeah, I'd put that, uh, yeah, he looked like a certified bender there. I think those ankles may have touched the ice a couple times as he tried turning away from him. Uh, so ugly, but uh, Grubauer again picks up the Baylor bucket, doesn't let anything happen, uh, you know, just flashing the leather. So love to see that. And this game would go to the shootout, Durham. Yeah, and I got to say, after watching what had to be the worst overtime I've seen since we switched to three-on-three, considering there was only one highlight, and that was the Grubauer glove save, I might have watched the worst fucking shootout I've ever seen, too. Holy shit. It went seven (laughs) rounds, which means 14 shooters, right? Yep. I'll be damned if half of them hit the net. Just hit the net. I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know what was going on, man. Um, guys were in their own head, I think, but, um, yeah, at anyways, yeah, like you said, that was kind of ugly to watch, but finally, finally, Marcus Johansson would score the winner, uh, off a sweet little classic fake where you go in, you fake the shot, go backhand and just put it on net. He would win it in that seventh round. And, you know, at least it was a great way to end uh, the Eastern Canadian road trip, getting the W. And like we said before, doing that, um, getting that one, one and one record. So picking up half of the points possible, going, uh, getting three points out of six. And it was exciting, man. I love, I love to see the matchups against the Eastern Canadian teams. Um, These are the most familiar teams, I think. Uh, we were accustomed seeing growing up in uh, in Ontario there, so uh, it was an exciting week of hockey, man. I like the seven o'clock starts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't blame you on that one. For me, it's I'm rushing home from work as fast as I could just to uh, get ready for it because it's five o'clock for me, and uh, I believe it would be four o'clock for Seattle. So even tougher for for you know some of them on the the pacific uh coastline but uh anyway it was exciting man and next week let's jump right into that because uh they only have two matchups next week durham yeah and unfortunately one of them's against tampa bay but then we got the other one against detroit and that should be a pretty good game for us i'm hoping yeah and that tampa bay game is uh wednesday march 16th uh like you said it's tampa bay back-to-back stanley cup champs uh what's your expectations for this game them to score and them to score more than us sorry seattle but it's fucking yeah, it's kind of hard it is tampa bay um they played them once already this year ended up losing three nothing weren't able to get anything past Vasilevsky. um but this Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay team, they've only been a, you know, I'd say a bit mediocre in their last 10 games. They're just six and four in their last 10 games. So um, not exactly their best stretch of hockey, uh, but it, it's Tampa Bay. Who, who are their big guns? We got to slow down. How do we win this game? What do we need to do to shut Tampa Bay down and pull out a W? Well, lately, a name that's been added to their big guns list that I honestly wouldn't have expected to be that worried about is Corey Perry. Since the All-Star game, he's fifth on their team in scoring with four goals and 10 assists in 13 games. So there's a guy who's going to be gritty, going to the net hard. He's definitely going to be a shift disturber as well. And 
that's something we're going to have to be aware of. Big Rig's going to know Corey Perry's on the ice coming to the crease, and we're going to have to box him out quite a bit. Yep. Yanni Gord getting to play against his former team. And, uh, you know, he was a big part of that third line. And now they've found other pieces. Like you said, Corey Perry, uh, a veteran guy who's been doing it for many years, you know, former 51 goal scorer in the NHL. Um, you know, now he's a part of their third line that they've rebuilt. And I got to say, I'm pretty impressed with what Corey Perry's done this year. Um, and I believe like Ross Colton is part of that third line at times too and whatnot. So, um, not only do you have to shut down their top lines, which obviously, you know, your Kucherovs, your Braden points, your Stamkos, who's having a huge year this year as well. Right. Um, not only do you have to shut them down, but yeah, you have to find a way to keep those, even those third line guys off the board because they are producing in Tampa Bay. As per usual, water's wet, sky's usually blue. Yeah. And you know, as per usual, uh, another big year for Victor Hedman on the back end there. Point per game defenseman again this season. So, um, yeah, just, just going to be a tough game. I, I think if they can continue to just create some offense off their forecheck like they've done in the last couple games and kind of, you know, spend as much time in the offensive zone as possible and just try to tighten up defensively, you might be able to come away with a win against Tampa Bay, but it will be a battle to do it. Um, so any score predictions here? 5-1 Tampa. Ooh, going against the Kraken. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Like you said, I don't know how many games Tampa even has next week. I mean, just two for the Kraken. So, I mean, you're going to assume if they don't play that Tuesday, which I'm not too sure right now, you're probably going to get Vasilevsky in that. So, yeah, I'm going to go I'm going to go 4-2. I'm going to go 4-2 for Tampa in this one. But then, you know, they get a couple of days off and they should be nice and fresh for a matchup on uh, Saturday night against Detroit. So uh, this is a much more winnable game, especially when you see Detroit's games they've played recent, recently. I mean, uh, they've given up, what, 10 goals against Toronto and then they had, what, nine, nine given up against Arizona. So they've had a hard time keeping the puck out of their net. And in their last 10 games, they only have a two, seven and one record. So they're, they're struggling mightily right now after a pretty good start from Detroit. Yeah, they were real good the first half of the year and they've kind of fallen apart. And to put that into perspective here, you've got the Boston Bruins who are like two points behind Toronto, right? Yep. Okay. Back for, or go back to January 1st. Detroit was one point ahead of Boston in the standings. Detroit had 33 on January 1st and Boston had 32. That's disgusting. That is, that is pretty crazy when you put it in perspective like that. Um, This will be the second time they play Detroit too. They, uh, their first ever game that went to a shootout was against Detroit. Uh, December 1st, they lost four, three in a shootout. That was a pretty good game, pretty good battle between both teams. So, I'm expecting to see something similar. Um, what are they going to have to do, though, to get this win against Detroit? They're going to have to stay away from Mo Sider and just throw pucks on net. Whenever this guy's on the ice, he seems to end up even either a net zero or a positive at the end of the night. So 
even though Detroit's been struggling, he seems to do well. But we're going to have to find ways to get to the net when he's on the ice, I guess, too, considering he's playing almost half the goddamn game. Yeah, man, it's going to be hard to create traffic and get in front of the net considering Mo Sider is an absolute manimal. Um, I can't believe it's his rookie season, and he just just casually has been smoking guys left, right, and center. I mean, for him to to what is it? The game against Arizona there where he dumps the puck in four check strong. And you could tell the chickering's about to cut his angle off and he just casually drops his shoulder right into his chest and sends him flying, man, this guy is a beast. He's going to be a racking ball. He's going to be one of the best, you know, top three defensemen in the NHL really soon. I agree completely with that. He's going to be your next Victor Hedman, but he's going to be mean. Yeah, he's got a nasty side. He doesn't he doesn't take any shit, you know. Uh he mixes it up with anybody out there. I think he even did that with Crosby. So so it just shows that, you know, uh this guy's not afraid to stand up for himself. And uh well, I think what against Arizona there when he did that, he was punching some guys in the face. Like he he's got that uh don't give a shit attitude going on, but uh, you know, still still brings the respect to the game, but plays on that line. Uh, and not only that, but he's putting up some offensive numbers too, right? Yeah, since the All-Star break, he's point a game. 12 points in 12 games. That's pretty good. Second on Detroit in that span. Yeah, and you know, obviously we talked about him at the top of uh, that Calder voting. He's right there, and along him is a fellow teammate, Lucas Raymond, who uh, is putting up some numbers too on the uh, offensive side and up front for this team. So uh, two dangerous guys you're going to have to shut down in order to find success. And Dylan Larkin too, another guy who is having a bounce back year. And I think it's a largely due to, you know, some of the talent that's been brought uh, around him now, like the two guys we mentioned there in Raymond and uh, Mo Sider. And that that's helped rejuvenate Larkin's game for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be nice to start seeing the fruits of, you know, having your shitty seasons exactly um but yeah any uh score predictions against D- detroit here it's gonna be a good matchup i think uh, it'll be a fun one i'm going blowout week so we got spanked by tampa bay in my prediction i'm going six one for seattle over detroit we're gonna kill them i like it they there are they are shaken up defensively right now um something's just not going right i don't know if it's goaltending or um you know when most cider pretty much isn't on the ice things are falling apart that's what it seems like anyways but i agree man i think uh i think seattle's gonna take advantage of uh this detroit team and uh yeah i'm gonna go with five one victory so just one last goal (laughs) couldn't say the same no hell no i'll go five one yeah exactly we can't go with the same score prediction Kraken fans, the NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. 
DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their very first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. All right, welcome back, Kraken fans. Uh, Durham, we're going to introduce a bit of a new segment to the pod. I know we've uh, we've starting to build a, a bunch of these up and bounce back between a bunch of them, but uh, this one's going to be a fun one to to do every week as well, or uh, you know, every other week or so. And this one is Player of the Week. So why don't you hit us with that one? Well, for this one, we're going to go with Yanni Gord, our little shift disturber here in three games this week had one goal two assists for three points, right? You're thinking that's probably pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty damn bad. good when I tell you game. two of them are shorthanded. Oh, yeah. Two shorthanded points. Anytime you're doing that in a week, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. On top of that, six shots on net, two hits, and he was 14 for 26 in the faceoff dot, too. Oh, yeah. since the All-Star break, he leads our team in points as well. Yeah, that uh, that is much deserving for our new segment, Player of the Week. And I think the stat that uh, pops out the most is uh, the fact that he's got the two shorthanded points there. Uh, that's a big deal. Yeah, there's people that are struggling to get that in a year. And he's like, yeah, I did it in, you know, three games. It's okay. Yeah. So that, that's again. really what is giving him the honors this week. And uh, don't overlook the fact that he's over 50% on the faceoff dot. Always tougher to do when you're on the road, right, Durham? So all three games were on the road. He's getting the tougher matchups. Uh, so for him to go 14 out of 26 and be above that 50% on the faceoff dot, that's pretty good too. Absolutely. Anytime you can start with the puck more than the other team, it's a positive. Exactly. Uh, why don't we move right along here, though? We got some NHL news that is, has been popping up over the past week here. And starting things off, a bit of a shout out to uh, the Canadian Stahl brothers. Uh, they actually become the first trio of brothers to each play 1,000 NHL games. Uh, that is Eric Stahl, Mark Stahl, and Jordan Stahl. So shout out to, to them because uh, that is insane when you think about it. Oh, that's freaking phenomenal, especially, too, when you remember Mark getting hit with the puck in the eye when he was at about 800 games or so. So there was a lot of question marks about whether he'd play more than that. So to get to 1,000 games for him, I think, is a real accomplishment. Yeah, 100%. And he's just been that quiet, steady defense, you know, defensive defenseman for so many years. And uh, you don't overlook the fact that two of these guys have been captains uh on hockey teams in the nhl and mark has had an a for like so many years as well so these guys are all leaders getting it done and the fact that they all are from the same family and played you know collectively over three thousand nhl games uh that deserves a shout out any day that's just amazing two of them have cups and they have all played in the stanley cup finals too yeah, and I can think of uh, one another trio of brothers who, uh, in my opinion, is probably going to be likely to be the second trio to do this. Do you know who I'm uh, talking about here? Luke, Quinn, and Jack Hughes. 
yes, 100%. Um, at this point, I think I would be shocked uh, if they don't end up reaching that. And, uh, you know, that'll be pretty special for that family too, because uh, those are all three wickedly talented players. And I know a lot of people haven't seen uh, much of Luke, um, but he is playing for Michigan this year in the NCAA on uh, the same team as Matty Beneers there. And yeah, he's got some pretty insane stats and a couple real highlight, real goals where he's rushed it. So uh, this kid's going to be a stud in the NHL too. No doubt about it. Yeah. He's been a monster down there. Yep. And uh, he brings a bit more size than his other brothers, doesn't he? Yeah. He took the average height for what was supposed to be the family, took theirs and just added it to his. Yeah, exactly. He's what is he like six four and just skates like the wind? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So he he's going to be a very dangerous uh, NHL defender for a lot of years as well. And we already seen what his older brothers have been doing. Quinn Hughes also a rock on the on the back end, and then Jack Hughes having a breakout season this year. If you look at you know what he would be on pace for if he played a whole season, he'd be like ninety some points. So um, yeah. Look out for this guy. I think he's going to uh, pop off for over 90 points next year. Just going to say. Just going to say that steal. right now. Yeah, fantasy steal. Keep your eyes on Jack Hughes next year. He's going to go off. Uh, moving along, though, some more NHL news. Jess Barry Cockney-Emmy. Sounds like he's on the verge of signing an eight-year deal. Somewhere in the uh, 4.25 to $4.5 million per range. Uh, so I thought I'd shout this out because I'm wondering what uh, your thoughts on this deal, if it does get signed at this range. I think it's fucking hilarious. Because that was the <laughs> big thing in mean, Montreal when he didn't sign there was the turn or the money could not come down under $5.5 million, right? One mm -hmm. year in Carolina, he's like, I'll sign whatever you want. Just fucking keep me here. Yeah, and uh, is, do you think this is a, a high-risk play doing the eight years for this much for this guy, or do you think he's going to be a legit NHLer? I think he's an NHLer, but I still think it's a high risk because at $4.5 like you're talking about a guy who needs second-line time and better produce at 35 points minimum if he's going to be a defensive specialist. Yeah, I would agree too. And, um, you know, he's moved over to Carolina and, you know, with the way things are going, like look at his points and stuff. He's, he's, I think he's getting less ice time. Um, but he's basically on track for the same year he had last year. I mean, um, right now he's sitting on 56 games played, which is exactly the same he played last year for Montreal. Uh, he had 20 points last year, five goals, 15 assists. You look at his stats this year, 56 games played, like I said, just just three more points. So 23 total points, but he's up to 11 goals with 12 assists. So uh, it's not like that's a whole lot of growth, but I could still see uh, more of that offense developing in his game. But uh, it's something we haven't really seen him take that step, even though he did have a, a fairly productive postseason run with Montreal too last season. Yeah, he's definitely a playoff player. He seems to step it up that time of year. And as for his production this year, I do think you're right. You're going to see a big increase there because it's his first year with a new team and it's a much better team. So he's already forced out of position to the wing again. I do think he's a natural centerman. So he's forced yeah. to the wing and he's forced lower in the lineup because he's on a much better team and he's still able to produce on a similar clip. Yeah, and uh, you certainly can't knock a guy who's 
only 21 years old. Uh, so you get this guy locked up for eight, eight friggin' years. Uh, he could end up being a huge steal if he ends up, you know, being a very solid second line center and being a 60, 70 point guy in some of his top seasons, you're getting a lot of value for that type of uh, money per year, right? Oh, absolutely. If that's what he gets to, Carolina's laughing their ass off. Yeah. They just have to hope that, you know, he gets there at some point in this contract. But when it's eight years, there should be a good chance. The last thing you want is this guy getting moved down to the fourth line, though, when he's on that deal. He's got to stay, you know, in that third line range in the first couple seasons and find time to get into that, you know, play that middle six, right? That's that's the guy's goal, uh, you know, to get up to those standards. Uh, and then I think that anything in there, that, that means that contract's pretty good. Absolutely. Okay, let's absolutely move on to uh, some crazy stats here um, from a defenseman in the league who is also very young and absolutely tearing it up right now, Durham. I'll give you the floor for this one. We're going to talk about Kale McCarr for a minute because everyone's talking about how he's having a really good year, blah, blah, blah. I don't think everyone understands how good of a year this guy's having, at least in terms of his own franchise, the Colorado Avalanche. So he's got 21 goals, 65 points, 44 assists so far this year, right? Yep. Did I tell you he recently had a 13-game assist streak? You didn't tell me that. Oh, that's a franchise record for any position. He passed current GM Joe Sackick, who had a 12-game assist streak. So there's one record already. Actually, we counted as two because he's got it for all positions and for defensemen since he is a D. I'm just going by the NHL rules. So there's two records that he's broke <laughs> okay, so far yeah, this fair year. Fair enough. Yeah. No, that's good. He also Go has on. another record that he's broke this year. He's got three more that he's broke already, actually. D even strength goals, D even strength points, and defenseman goal scoring streak. It's pretty good, yeah, right? That's pretty good. That's all like Colorado records. Yeah, these are all Colorado records. Still, though, very, very good. Five records he's broke. You're thinking he's probably done, right? Five records in one season. That's enough. Yeah. What else does he have in store? Anything else he could break? He could break five more fucking records this year for Colorado. Even strength Holy assists shit. by a defenseman. Game winning goals by a defenseman. And then goals, assists, and points in a season by a defenseman. Goals, assists, and points. <laughs> yeah, he's having a pretty good year, I think. Yeah, he only needs three more goals to set the record there. And if he happens to get 19 more assists, that'll be enough for both points and the assist record. Yeah, that's, that is insane what Kale McCarr has been doing. And not only that, man... He's got the most points ever by any defenseman through their first 155 games in the NHL. Uh, and that's in history. That's not Colorado. That's not this year, nothing like that. Uh, well, obviously not this year, 155 games. That's impossible. Um, but he's got 159 points in that span through his first 155 games played. Yeah, the fact that that's better than any other defenseman ever in NHL history, that is incredible too. Like we are witnessing one of 
if not possibly the greatest defenseman to ever play the game starting his career. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's insane. You said it uh, best. Uh, We were pumping his tire. I don't know, like seven or eight podcasts ago, just absolutely guessing. But uh, you said it best when you said he is the, the Connor McDavid from the back end. Like that's how good this guy is. He is the best defenseman. Um, I can't see in any way how anyone else other than Makar wins uh, uh, the oh, fucking get your mind out of the Norris. gutter, Ty. The Norris Trophy this year. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, pal. I was looking but, at odds for that. He's minus four hundred right now. Wow. Are, do you have the odds pulled up right now? I'm curious to know uh, where Roman Yossi is. Yossi was. Third, I think, at plus 800, and Hedman was plus 400. Those were the top three, if I remember wow. correctly. Honestly, I'd up. have Yossi. I'd have Yossi ahead of him, to be honest. That Just, you know, personally. But, uh, yeah, that's just insane. Um, we also have uh, another signing to talk about. Uh, this one just got released. Joe Pavelski signs a one-year extension worth $5.5 million at uh, the age of 37. Durham, he is actually on pace for his best point-per-game season of his NHL career right now at 37 years old. How wild is that? That's incredible because I remember being one of the people that was like fucking three years, $7 million for Joe Pavelski. I don't know, Dallas. That third year, you might be paying someone to take the money off. And he's like, fuck you, give me more money. Yeah, I'm one of the best players on like, Dallas. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm doing the best I've ever done in my career. Um, so I was thinking the same thing. Man, man, Joe Pavelski, what a friggin' player this guy is. Um, the fact that he's getting it done like this in the twilight of his career. Kind of interesting, though, that he decides to go with the one-year extension and stay with Dallas. Um, he, he must believe in this team somewhat to, to, to go ahead and do that, right? Yeah, well, I think he's got really good chemistry with uh, Jason Roberts in there, too. I think they play oh together on a line, God. and they're just lighting it up. Oh, yeah, they are. Him and uh, you got Rupe Hints down the middle. But, yeah, Jason Robertson, another absolute stud. The guy's on pace for, like, 47 goals this year. He's just had, like, two hat-tricks last week. Um, it's no wonder Pavelski would want to stay. And I know he's been a huge part of... Uh, to the growth of those two young guys that are playing on the same line as him. And, you know, we just had to shout Pavelski out because he's such a beauty. One of the best tippers in the NHL too. Um, he, he could just get it done in all sorts of ways. And to see him being the best, you know, being at the top of his career at 37, just, just unbelievable. When the league is such a young league now, uh, just goes to show how good this guy uh, continues to be. But um Moving right along here, uh, officially one week away from trade deadline right now, Durham. So uh, there's a lot of rumors going around that it's going to be a quiet trade deadline. Is that going to be concerning for the Kraken? I don't think so at all. I don't think it's an issue for us as an organization because your big guys are still going to make their deals, right? Like they're not going to sit pat. They're going to need their salary to be moved and we're going to be sitting there waiting. Yeah, I, I'm not too, too concerned. Um, it's definitely more of a, 
a seller's year. There's a lot more sellers than it sounds like buyers. So we'll see how things play out. But considering we're one week out and we've only really seen one trade happen, uh, one impactful trade with the Toffoli one, that's that's got to be a first too. You'd think something else would have been moved by now, but it's only been that Toffoli trade really. Speaking of first, can you believe the rumors that Montreal is going to get a first for Lekkanen and Sherratt? Not in the same fucking trade, like two separate <laughs> firsts. I know it, it is wild, but um, Sherratt's literally having an offensive career season that he is never going to have ever again. So, like, I don't know that that. It, <sighs> I wouldn't want to give up a first for him, but at the same time, he is that playoff style defenseman that uh, can impact a team quite positively and help wear down the opponents in a, in a seven game series. So uh, I, I, I don't know. It's one of those questionable ones, but the fact that they're going to pick up that many more picks um, kind of pisses me off in a sense <laughs> because these guys should not be bringing in that kind of value. So, um, you know, Montreal is going to cash in big and they're going to be able to, uh, not only do a rebuild, but almost like a retool with, uh, with all their draft picks and, and the direction and some of the guys they already have on their team. So, um, as a, as a Sens fan, that does kind of make me upset. <laughs> Like, if those two get a first each, then Giordano and Yarncroc should bring in Buffalo's first and Paterka. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> Buffalo's first. That's a top 10 first. No, honestly, if those two guys can get first, then Yarncroc and Giordano should get first. So, right. um, well, yeah, Giordano for sure. I still think, I, I don't know if. I see a lot more value in Giordano. He's a, he's a guy who could play top four night in and night out. Sherratt, he's going to be a third-pairing defenseman on a contender. Uh, so, Yeah, I but mean, he'll punch somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, don't fuck with Giordano either. He's, he's got Yeah, he's you're right. You're head. right. He gets pissed, man. He, so uh, he, you got he me there. that shit too. So um, anyways, exciting to see. Moving right along. Uh, hit us with the stat of the week here, Durham. Oh, God, this one hit me in my core. So did you know the Kraken have trailed 2-0 22 times this season? Ooh, 22. Well, believable. Yeah, did you know they've lost every single one of those games except for one? Oh, I did not, actually. Um, Can you guess which game, though? Just off the top of your head. Um... No, I can't. It was a 4-3 win against Nashville on March 2nd. Okay, yeah, their comeback recently against Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. no, that would make sense. Yep. Well, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, trailing 2-0, 20, you said 22 different times in the season? 22 different times. Wow. And they've only won one of those games. Yeah, that's that's definitely been a weak spot is trying to fight back. I mean, they almost did against Ottawa again. Um, so that that would have been that would have been close. And then uh, you know, they weren't down two nothing, but they were down uh by two goals against Toronto, and that was almost a comeback too. So we we've seen some efforts that have fallen short as of recently, but yeah, just the one, uh oof, that's a bit tough. 
Yeah, that's unfortunately pretty shitty. Let's not go down 22 times 2 nothing next season, though. Let's keep it under 20. Improvement. Yeah, yeah that just means they're going to have to find ways to start the games a little better than they have this season because that's obviously been a struggle. Uh, when you're going down 2 nothing 22 different times, it's a quarter of the time you're going down by two goals. That's unhealthy, I would say. Yeah, it's definitely not good for uh, them, and it's not good for the fans. No, no. And, uh, yeah, crazy stat of the week. Thanks for hitting us up with that. Durham, let's end this thing off with a bit of a prospect update. Uh, Like we mentioned, we would be doing last podcast at the end there. Start things off with a bit of news uh, for Matt Beneers. He's been named a finalist for the NCAA's Big Ten Player of the Year Award. That's pretty exciting to hear. That's huge. Dude's been disgusting all year for Michigan. He leads the team in goals and points, so he's absolutely deserving to be a finalist for this. Yeah, and how about that? Like you said, leads the team in goals. That's a big deal uh, considering all the all the offense that that Michigan team has. And what is he at, 19 right now? Yep, 19 goals and 40 points. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. How many games? 32 i think it was yeah just loading up his uh his stats right here uh because he only had what 10 goals last year and he's already up to 19 so he's pretty much doubled his goals with a few games left uh to go in this season so uh became a bit of a goal scorer this year and yeah that's wild plus 29 too he's got done nothing but get better uh, obviously we've seen him, uh, playing for USA in the Olympics, had a couple points there, looked very sharp and boy, are we excited to see this guy in a cracking lineup near the end of the season? I imagine Michigan's going to go pretty far in, in the tournament and playoffs. So, um, we might only get to see a couple games or a few games out of him. Uh, but I'm excited to see those. We will burn the first year. We will. And I think uh, Ronnie Francis made it pretty clear that uh, they will be trying to do that and get him signed right away. And I think it's the right idea. Get him, get him a, a few games. And, uh, you know, that way he has a bit of experience and knows what to expect uh, at the start of next season. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Moving right along here, though, uh, you know, let's talk about uh, the second round pick they had last year that's Riker Evans the overager defenseman playing for the Regina Pats uh you know another guy that continues to put up numbers this year point per game guy this year right now 53 points in 53 games and another guy who's really improved his goal scoring eh yeah he's up to 13 I mean having a previous best of 11 through his entire career and the dub's pretty good to be up to 13 this year yeah, and still uh, a large amount of games left. They they should have, what, about 15 more games left, I believe? Yep, yeah, I think they end at 68. Yep, around 68 there. So, uh, you know, another career year for him. Excited to see him back in training camp again. Yeah, he was very impressive last training camp. Uh but yeah, he, he's a guy who knows how to move the puck uh, and he's improving with his shot. Uh, he's definitely becoming more confident in himself and he, he can make some pretty flashy plays out there too. Yeah, well, you know, being out there with Bedard, you'd better be able to keep it flashy. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a good give and go player moving up the uh, moving the puck up the ice. So um, 
I don't believe he's going to be on the team next year, but uh, he's going to have a pretty good shot on their AHL team and uh, hopefully getting some good top four minutes there. And who knows? I mean, at you know, six foot, 192 pounds, uh, that's his frame right now. So he's still got that, you know, NHL frame. So he, he could turn some heads and uh, uh, who knows what happens in, in, uh, in training camp and preseason. He could maybe squeak onto that team on a third pair, but I think for his development, it might be best to play the year out in the AHL. I completely agree. I think it'd be best for him to get good minutes down there, learn the pro game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, moving on to our third round pick, uh, Ryan Winterton playing for the Hamilton Bulldogs, a guy who uh, we've only got to talk about once so far because of the lack of games he's had to play due to shoulder injuries. Uh, but again, he is playing for a really good Hamilton team and off to a sick start this year, 21 games played 13 goals, 17 assists for 30 points on the year right now. He continues to be uh, a high powered offensive guy. And this third round pick is looking better and better every day. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially coming back from injury like that long surgery layoff, you know, you're never quite sure what he's going to have. So to see him scoring at this pace too, and to have see the trust that his team has in him, like they put him on the second line with the big trade acquisition, Mason McTavish, right? So yeah, that's pretty that's good for huge, him. Yeah, yeah. Huge guy to be playing with. And uh, that's got to do nothing but just build chemistry and confidence right there, eh? Absolutely. I mean, that's a guy who you're going to be able to work with and a guy who's modeling his game after a professional and has a good pro aspects to his game. So if you can learn how to mesh with that, that might help you fast track to an NHL squad just a little bit quicker. Yeah, exactly. And the one thing I really like about him, uh, you know, he's a goal scorer, but the big thing is his birthday is September 4th, uh, 2000 or well, his birth date, I guess, 2003. So right now he's 18 years old. Durham, he turns 19 in September. If he gets off to another hot start next year in the OHL, which it's looking very promising, uh, he's going to be very close to the top of the list uh, for a candidate to be on that uh, Canadian World Juniors team. And that gets me pretty excited. Oh, for sure. He'll definitely be there, you know, not like be there as in be on the team or whatever, but he should be a candidate for this team. He's got a bit of history with Hockey Canada too, having won gold with the U18s. Yeah, exactly. He's already got that international experience, like you said. So um, this guy has to be on uh, their radar already, especially with the points he's putting up right now. And anytime you have uh, a third round pick, you know, possibly making, you know, one of these top tier junior teams like Team Canada, that that's already looking like a steal of a pick. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you there. Yeah. And not only him, but you get to the fourth round pick. Like, honestly, this was such a good draft, I think, for the crack. And they really hit on a lot of picks here. Um, Vili Ottavainen, the the right-handed defenseman who plays in the Liga, that's uh, the Finnish Elite League there. Um, this guy wasn't supposed to be much of a point producer, but he continues to show that he has offense in his game, even though he is, you know, more, more of a defensive guy with a big body who could play really good D and just has a good shot. Uh, his numbers have been really good in the Liga, and uh, this is very, very, very good 
for the Kraken to be able to see some more upside from this guy. Um, Because right now, what is the stats? Um, Six goals, eight assists, 14 points in 43 games. Yep. Yep, that's correct. 59 pims, so he's not afraid to mix her up at all. Uh, you love to see it, though. That's that's really good. And this is going to be a guy who is on uh, their World Junior team as well. Yeah, I had him down as, you know, kind of having a bit of a surprising year for the same reasons you just listed. Like, everything you read or see about him was he was going to be this defensive guy who's kind of okay on the transition, draws guys in, and then moves the puck over, and that was it. But putting mm-hmm. up 14 points like this, like, he's second on his team's uh second in points on his team for defensemen like that's pretty solid yeah and you're doing that as uh what is he 19 years old right now uh playing in a very very good league this is an outstanding pro league one of the best in the uh in the world you'd have to put it up there and uh yeah he's producing and yeah, you got to love what you see here. This is going to be another fantastic pick, it's looking like. And they need this guy to hopefully develop into a steady, you know, he's got that top four potential NHL, I see. Uh, I see in this guy. And we need some right-handers to be able to do that, some young ones who are going to step in and replace uh, some of the right-handers we have right now because this organization, that's probably what they lack the most is right-handed defensemen. So if this guy does work out, that is a huge hit for Seattle. Yeah, if they can get one that doesn't put pucks in their own net, that's dope. Ooh, shots fired there. Okay, okay, I like it. Just it just popped in. It happened. Yep, no, it's okay. Yeah, it's just been a rough stretch for Larson there, but uh, he'll find his game again. Uh, moving on, though. Uh, last guy we're going to talk about for the drafted guys right now, and that's Jacob Melanson, who was uh, a right winger, drafted in the fifth round of 21, of course, and... You know, I think he had a bit of a slow start to his year, but he's he's picked it up as of recently. Uh, 12 points in his last 10 games, seven of those being goals, uh, giving him 35 points in 38 years or 30, 38 games played for Acadia Bathurst of the QMJHL. That's the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League there. And uh, he continues to put up some pretty good numbers and he's still pretty young Durham. So uh, you got to like that. Yeah, I mean, anytime you've got the young guys that are able to put the puck in the back of the net, you don't mind that at all. No, and you get into this, you know, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, you're just, you know, you're just throwing it out there and just banking on people to turn out. So you don't really expect these picks to turn out, but if they do, I mean, that's just icing on top of the cake right there. And uh, I'd say, you know, it is... This guy's what six foot over 200 pounds uh, right now as an 18 year old still has some room to grow there, of course. Um, But if he could, he could turn out to be a bottom six forward that uh, can have an impact in the NHL. That is a hit too. And uh, you know, obviously he's going to go back, play, play in the QMJHL next season as well and continue his development and uh, his growth path. And again, if he gets off to a crazy start next year, maybe he is on Canada's radar as well. Could be, but I think he's got a bit more of an outside shot. I I think so too. Um, typically, that's a bit of an easier league to play in compared to the WHL and the OHL. Who are, Shots uh, fired. I mean, hey, the truth is the truth, right? Those leagues are, are producing some quality prospects right now, and uh, the Q just isn't producing 
uh, prospects at that rate. So you got to put that into perspective as well or consideration. Um, let's, let's talk about, uh, the AHL, the Charlotte checkers, of course, um, split between Seattle Kraken players and Florida Panther, like, you know, players as well prospects. Uh, cause we have a few on that team who are putting up some really good numbers and I'd like to shout some of them out as well, because, uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about them yet. Have we? No, we haven't talked too much about the AHL guys. So it's nice to kind of, you know, give them a tire pump. Yeah, because currently uh, one of Seattle's players uh, recently got called up because of his great performances right now. That's a right winger, Cole Lind, who's still fairly young. I believe he's 22 right now. Um, You know, he's got 46 games played down there with Charlotte, and he's tied for the team lead with 35 points, 17 goals, 18 assists. Uh, This guy's producing and he's looking pretty good. And out of any player they have down there, this guy's got uh, the most legit shot uh, at being an, an everyday NHLer at some point. Yeah, I think he's got a shot at being kind of like a poor man's Corey Perry, right? He can score, yeah, like he's that got that comparison. scoring touch, and he's a fucking prick. Like, in addition to leading the team in points, he leads them in penalty minutes with 106. Yeah, Second place is 65. <laughs> Yeah, this guy is, uh, like you said, he's almost got that shift disturber mentality. He's not afraid to mix it up, averaging 2.3 penalty minutes per game right now. Uh, You got to like that. And not only that, I think he's second on the team in power play goals. So, you know, shows a lot of versatility when uh, you're leading in in all sorts of different different categories like that. Um, So you got to like what what we're seeing out of Cole Lind in the AHL right now. Absolutely. I liked him back when he was getting drafted too, when Vancouver ended up picking him up. I thought he'd be a nice pickup. Yeah. And you know, he's still young. He, he has time to uh, continue to develop and maybe it takes him to 23, 24 years old before he's a steady NHLer. Uh, But that's okay because he's going to be that bottom six type of player uh, in the long run, in my opinion. And he kind of suits that role pretty well. It's funny how they get to like, 22 23 and if they came from junior like the stigma around the kid is oh well how good can he really be he's still in the a at like 22 23 but whereas a guy comes from college and gets to the a at 22 they're like yeah give him a couple years yeah yeah exactly you're 100 right on that like uh these ncaa guys uh they seem to you know have a longer uh end of the stick there in, in terms of like what you're bringing up uh, you know, we, we expect these guys coming out of junior to just like, Oh, two years in the HL and you're not in the NHL yet. You're a bust. Right. But that's just simply not the case. And, uh, you know, other people, they take longer to adjust to that pro game and longer to fill out their NHL body as well in order to get there. So that's probably what we're seeing at a Cole in. I mean, he's putting up some really good numbers. He looks promising and he's leading that team in points right now. So, so that looks really good too. Yeah, it looks great. Cal Flurry too, looking pretty good. 27 points in 51 games. That's second for a defenseman on this team. Uh, so you got to like that as well. That's, that's that's looking promising. Yeah, hopefully he can become a fill-in guy, maybe like a good 6-7. Yeah, yeah, and I think you'd be happy with that. Um, other than that, there's not a whole lot to get excited about. Um, to be fair, Alexander True, 34 points. Uh, in 
one less game. So he's right there with Cole Lind and, uh, you know, doesn't mix it up as much, but uh, he still has five power play goals himself. And he's a big guy too. So uh, he could end up being like a really good fourth line centerman for this team down the road. Can never have too much depth. No, not at all. But of course we have to shout out to uh, our favorite goaltender down there, Joey Decord, uh, because he's been putting up some pretty good numbers himself, Durham. Yeah, he's been putting up some great numbers. I mean, 24 games played, only 55 goals against. So that comes to a 2.45, 2.45 goals against average. Pretty yeah, solid. 921 save percentage as well. Yeah, and yeah, that 921 looks really good. Uh, you know, we've obviously seen him get called up at times throughout the season and he has been lit up pretty hard, but honestly, a lot of those games have been really poor defensive play from the Kraken. So it's, it's hard to put that all out on him because he's, he's came up and he's battled and he's made tons of great saves in some of those games. Um, but yeah, a 12, nine and two record down in Charlotte. Uh, it's promising, and I still think this guy has a chance to be a backup goaltender one day in the NHL. Uh, and he's such a beauty, too. Um, just just the most chill guy, eh? So, uh, yeah, we're big Joey Dick fans, and I hope he just continues to find success and continues to grow his game. And uh, hopefully we see more of him in the NHL. Yeah, for sure. Get him a few more games next year, and hopefully he develops into a good, steady backup goaltender. Yeah, you'd be pretty happy if that's the case. But uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. What do you say? Yeah, I think that might be the end of her for this week. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So uh, I think it's time to get the puck out of here, Durham. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to episode 25. And uh, be sure to join us next week as we break down both of those cracking games. And, of course, keep you up to date with all NHL news and all things Kraken related. So have a great week, everyone, and peace out, Kraken Nation.